Good evening. Please have your Bible ready. The third epistle of John. The third letter of John. One of the brief letters of the New Testament. But in that brevity, there is truth for the original readers and truth for us. I'm going to read the third letter of John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. The Apostle John helps his readers understand how love and truth are connected. And there will forever be the need for people to open the Bible and read the Word of God, read the instructions of the Apostles of Christ to understand how love and truth never contradict, but always connect. And John does that with warmth and compassion, but also he is urgent in his warning about a dangerous man. And then he commends a good man. All of that in 15 verses in the third letter of John. Here's what I would like for us to study together this evening. 
John's description of greatness. I believe the Apostle John holds up a definition of greatness for Christians in this epistle. It needs our attention. Greatness, excellence in serving God should be a part of our allegiance to Jesus Christ. It ought to be our steadfast aim. Instead of just getting by, rather than being satisfied with minimal requirements being met, satisfied with the average, doing what you've always done without growth, we need to be focused on the value of setting and maintaining the highest standard of greatness and always moving in that direction. So let's be open to the teaching John gave to lift ourselves closer to the Lord and Jesus who died for our sins. I want us to fix our attention on John's remarks about greatness. For John, the greatest joy, he says, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. As righteous, mature people, we love to hear good news. When I open email or Facebook or text messages on my phone, I'm always wanting that to be good news. When my phone rings, there's the hope that it will be good news. We love to hear good news. For John, the best news was the great joy of hearing about his brothers and sisters in Christ walking in the truth. He calls it the greatest joy. The greatest joy was not hearing that Nobody was sick, though he wanted good things for people in regard to their health. The greatest joy for John wasn't hearing that everybody was wealthy. The greatest joy for John was knowing his brothers and sisters in the Lord were walking in the truth. And obviously for us today, it ought to be exhilarating to hear about people who may live miles from here, but they're walking in the truth where they are. Perhaps people who lived here once and moved away. We had some visitors here this morning in that category. People maybe that you know from other locations who've never been here, or people you know about, but you've never really met face to face. You hear the good news, that there are people not only here, but people who've been here and people in other places who are doing their very best to follow the teaching of Scripture. I think one good sign of spiritual maturity is for us to consider it a great joy when we hear about people who are obeying the truth of Scripture. And this is not peculiar to John. This expression of joy about people who are walking in the truth is echoed by Paul. In Romans 16, Paul ends that epistle with a list of people that he loved and commended. 
Priscilla and Aquila, Paul named and said, They are my fellow workers in Jesus Christ. He mentioned Rufus and Persis and Timothy, and he said, They're my fellow workers. It was characteristic of Christians to be encouraged by the allegiance of other Christians who were devoted to the same standard, the truth revealed by the apostles. John and Paul illustrate this great joy. Now, here at Laurel Heights, in terms of number of people and financial stability, we have highs and lows. We cycle through people moving in and then moving out. And if we're not careful, that trend that's always been here can tend toward discouragement. What can move us away from such discouragement is the great joy of knowing people who wherever they are, even if they were here once, wherever they are now, they're continuing their devotion to the truth. They've continued their allegiance to the truth of Scripture instead of bemoaning the fact that people have moved off. Stop and think about good people, good men with good wives who left here and went on to preach and be active in the Lord's work in other ways, in other places. Sometimes it helps me in my mind just to make a list. And it's never a complete comprehensive list. But I think of Dan Howe and Joel Warner and Brent Bishop and Mike Stubbs to name a few. There are people no longer here who went to other places and served as elders. Joe Stroud and Gary Bishop. There are winter Texans who are no longer with us. But when they were here they're walking in the truth and when they're north... They're walking in the truth. They're young families who spent maybe just a few years here, but needed to move for jobs in other places or to be near family. But they're walking in the truth. When you start thinking about all those good people who came through here, what we're doing is what Paul and John did. We're rejoicing in those who continue to walk in the truth. Hopefully we're also praying for people who are no longer walking in the truth, but we are encouraged to know that people came through here and they're still walking in the truth. I think of passages like Psalms 40 and verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I ought to find it pleasurable and delightful that I'm able to do the will of God and walk in the truth. And then when I hear of others who are Christians in other places, walking in the truth, that ought to be a great source of joy. That's John's standard and definition of greatness. My children are walking in the truth. And then there is an expression of that. Notice that John thought it was great that faithful service to others was being practiced. Verse 5, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. Now we'd like to have the backstory. We'd like to have the narrative behind that, the details. But it's apparent Christians were helping each other 
even Christians they hadn't known before, strangers. And when this word came back to John, he just thought that was great, and he wanted to dwell on that. Listen again to verses 5 to 8. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Christians may not have had long-term acquaintances like those that I mentioned earlier. But these Christians sent them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, and they were commended by John to do so. That's powerful testimony. It delighted John that Christians were serving each other. Faithful service to others was being practiced in the form of hospitality and encouragement and prayer. And about this great example, John says two things. He says, we ought to support people like these. And then he says, we ought to consider ourselves to be fellow workers for the truth. You know, what that says is we're on the same team. And we are delighted to hear people who are doing well and serving others to the best of their ability. In that word support, there are several elements perhaps, encouragement, perhaps monetary help, provisions, lodging, prayer. When good Christians are engaged in good work, that's great. And we participate with them. We're fellow workers for the truth. And we see this again in Paul's relationship with faithful Christians. Paul helped churches. Churches helped Paul. They were connected in the good work that God intends that, be, that should be done here on earth. We ought to see how great it is to be fellow workers for the truth, even if they're not here in the county with us. John was pleased. Now this next part is a little different, but it's part of what's great about good men who are fellow workers for the truth. Though it wasn't really the same kind of joy, it was necessary for John to call out a troublemaker. Verses 9 and 10. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Here's something very simple about what we're talking about in Third John. It will always be the case some will walk in the truth and some will not. And some will seek to dominate and trouble those who are walking in the truth. John, as warm a man as he is, was both capable and inspired by the Spirit to call out this dominating troublemaker by name. John went so far as to say, if I come, 
I will bring up what he's doing. John's apostolic authority would be expressed in the presence of Diotrephes. Now, this is not a happy thing to think about, but this is great in the sense that there is value in warning and protecting Christians. Here is a man who wanted to control, and he came in, and he needed to be rejected. He wanted to be a one-man government. John said, no, this wicked nonsense will not be tolerated. What's great about this is, men who are willing to both rejoice in the truth, like John, but also take a very firm stand against false teachers, men like Diotrephes. And what is great about this is it afforded opportunity to say what is written next in verse 11. Do not imitate evil, but good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. I cannot have and you cannot have genuine joy and passion for the Lord's work without distinguishing between good examples and bad examples. It is great that this teaching be given to accompany the warning about this specific man, Diotrephes. Fourth, John thought it was great to be able to commend Demetrius. I commended some specific people a moment ago. John does that in verse 12. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Up at the top of the letter, John talks about walking in the truth, and now that becomes all personal. Here is a man who did that. Demetrius had testimony from the truth itself that he was walking in the truth. I just love in the New Testament this walking imagery. Walking imagery. Think about it. In walking, you're moving. You're active. You're expending energy. In walking, there is a destination. You're going somewhere. We need to be going to heaven. And the only way to get there is walking in the truth. May our testimony match the testimony of this man. And may the truth yield the conclusion that we're walking in it. And then fifth, John believed it was great to be with Christians face to face. 13 to 15. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. And we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Some of you already know what I'm going to say about this because I've said it before. We have convenient, quick communication tools in our age. We have email, text, social media, and I use all of that. 
I never tell people to disconnect from all of that entirely. I know it's convenient. It enables me to check on people and share vital information and invite people to events and keep up with my family. But you know what's better? What's really great is being with people in person, face-to-face encounters. John wrote with pen and ink. That was the technology of his time. But he thought it would be greater if he could be in their personal presence. I think that tells us something today. It is great for me to be with you, to see you face to face, for you to see me. Digital communication can certainly supplement our relationships, but what is primary? It's being with people who are walking in the truth face to face, assembling together, admonishing one another, worshiping together. John thought that was great. Maybe we should think about it. Do we need more of this face to face contact? I'm reading a book about some of the risk of too much digital and screen time for children. And you've heard me talk about that before. I feel strongly about it. And in this book I'm reading, the author said this, that I cannot revise into words that would be better. He said, no matter where you go, whether it's the beach or a ball game, it seems that everyone is disconnected from one another and connected to a device instead. Our heads are buried in our tablets and smartphones And face-to-face communication seems to slowly be diminishing. The lack of face-to-face interaction, particularly for children, is evident sometimes in their reduced social and communication skills, making it difficult for them to handle the everyday bumps in the road of life with people. The end result can be a substantial increase in stress and anxiety and self-esteem issues. Many kids spend nearly every waking second of every day, seven days a week, glued to a screen. Completely oblivious to life on earth. Their brains become disconnected from the world around them, making it difficult to handle real life face-to-face relationships and adversities. I think he's got something there we need to think about. John and other writers of the Bible do not speak directly to digital devices, but the Bible makes it very clear there's high value in personal relationships and face-to-face interaction with other Christians. I want you to listen, please, to John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's be standing as we sing. <clears throat> 